All right, well, this morning, I want to draw your attention to Acts chapter 12. We're going to cover, really, verses 6 through 17. And as we consider that, I want to take the whole chapter and, and, and highlight a few things on both ends. But that's going to be the bulk of our reading this morning. And before we do that, I want to begin not by reading the text, but by asking you a question that I think will frame the context of uh, not only uh, what's going on in the passage, but what the purpose of how I want to communicate this message for you this morning is going to be. Let me ask this question. Do you ever wonder if God is really in control of all of life's situations and circumstances? I mean, when you look into the world, there's a lot going on. And it's easy to look out into the world and ask the question, God, do you see this? And are you really in control of all that's going on? If we want to personalize the question, God, do you really see me? Are you really in control of all things relating to my life? Because sometimes my life feels so out of control, I'm just kind of wondering where you're at. You ever feel that? You know, for the most part, we must accept life's circumstances at face value. Even the times that don't make sense, that we can't make sense of. You know, sometimes good people get sick and die, don't they? The people we don't expect, the healthy people, those Christians who are doing great work and ministry are taken out like that in a plane crash or a car accident or got some disease that took their life so unexpectedly. Hardworking people, they go bankrupt. They've done everything right, but the world just flipped upside down on them. Honest business owners go under, while those who are dishonest seem to flourish. Innocent people get mistreated, wrongly convicted, and then punished for something they didn't do. I mean, how do we make sense of this stuff? How about some less impactful life events? I mean, that's really serious stuff. I get it. So let's lighten up a little bit, right? Like epic fails. You ever watch those on YouTube? I'm not suggesting you should, but I'm just saying some of them are pretty funny. <laughs> I got to laugh. I was watching one the other day. This, this poor guy, he was, uh, he, was, he, he was doing concrete work, okay? And he was smoothing out the concrete. It looked so good. It was a patio in somebody's back, <laughs> backyard. And it was a worker, wasn't a homeowner. And the patio door was open and he was just about done. And here comes the dog. <laughs> he looked up and Trawl in hand, just, you could tell he's like, no way. Dog turns around. Boom. He goes and he fixes it. Dog comes out, boom, stops in the middle, turns around, boom, out back he goes. So finally he gets the dog in, closes the door. All smoothed out, just about done. The dog comes around the corner. 
Right through the concrete he goes. This happened like four or five times that another co-worker came to try to help him. And it, it, you could tell he was just at his wit's end and wanted to leave the job. You know, that's not a serious thing. But how maddening is it, right? My wife and I, we put in a patio last fall in our backyard and we saved 10 years to do this. And we strategically placed this patio where we have it because of the tree that was by it that gave us this awesome shade. And then this spring, we had a storm. Yeah, no joke. And this shade tree came just a tumbling down. What? Are you kidding? No way. We waited and we saved. You ever feel like your, your life can be just one series of one challenge after another? And that like, you're the only one who's living life like that. And yeah, God's in control, but it feels like my life's out of control. Well, if you ever feel that way, you're not alone. See, in many situations, God, he does not supernaturally intervene to prevent misfortune. Yet, we must not live life strictly from a human perspective. Because life is not all about the here and now. See, whether or not the Lord chooses to intervene miraculously in our life's circumstances or situations, the truth is he remains in control always. And he always has our best interest and his glory and his will in mind question is, do you believe that? And do you live your life like you believe that? This morning, we're going to look at a, at, a, at a situation where Peter, we're going to get to see Peter in the book of Acts two more times. Today is one, and then in a few weeks in Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem council is the other. But Peter's going to show up on the scene now again, Remember last week we talked about how Paul and Barnabas got the church going in Antioch and it became the, the, the place where the Gentile mission work began and they became ascending church out into the world and the gospel's going out and people are being saved. Well, now Luke brings us back to Jerusalem to just kind of establish, I think, the fact that God is sovereign and in control of all things. And from this point forward through the book of Acts, he wants us to settle into that matter and accept it. And here we have a story of Peter being arrested for being a Christian, put in prison. He's going to eventually and essentially be put on trial to be put to death. It's a broader context, and so let's, let's pick it up and read, beginning in verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel Lord 
the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and then came to an iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. Then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door at the gate. The servant girl named Rhoda came and opened it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and then told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. A lot of times we recognize this story as Peter's great escape from prison. I think that's a wrong way to look at it. I don't think Peter escaped from prison. I actually think Peter was delivered from prison. And that Peter's deliverance from prison was all a work of God by his grace, and it had nothing to do with Peter, but everything to do with God. And so as we orient our mind to this story and begin to understand what's taking place and how it's going to be able to directly apply to our own lives, there's three things I want you to recognize. That in the midst of our journey, in all of life's situations and circumstances, we can experience God's peace, God's grace, and God's power. And when we do, we will live the life that God has for us to live in such a way that our good and His glory will be accomplished. Remember that life on earth isn't just about the physical dimension that we experience. It has a spiritual component to it as well. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know, sandwiched between two other stories is Peter's experience in prison. The other two stories that his experience is sandwiched between is the first one upon which James, 
the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of, sons of thunder. James, the first apostle, is put to death by the sword. We're no longer in Antioch of Syria. We're now back in Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem is, is grieving this loss, and they're, they're trying to make sense of the death of the apostle James, and they can't make sense of it. Why did this happen? He was doing the Lord's work. It makes no sense. You know, sometimes we can't make sense of nonsense, can we? But we must accept that James's death was not caused by God, but allowed by God because it happened. Yet, the Christians were perplexed. They were grieving. They were heartbroken. See, King Herod Agrippa, he was the one who wanted to make favor with the Jews. So he arrested James as a Christian and put him to death and recognized that the death of James actually got him a lot of favor with the Jews. And he thought, you know what? Since they were so excited about James' death, how about I arrest Peter? who's the head of the church in Jerusalem, or one of the leaders. James was as well. And how about we put him on trial and kill him? Well, it was Passover, so he's going to wait. Passover comes and Passover goes, and now we pick up on the story. Where Peter is, the night before, he goes on trial. And in verse 5, this is what it tells us about the Christian community. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. They prayed for him. When you're in a hairy situation, what do you do first? Who do you look to first? Where do you turn first? My hope today is to encourage you to look to Jesus Christ, to turn to the Lord, to plead with him first and foremost in all of life's situations and circumstances, the hard ones and the not so hard ones, so that we can experience his peace. This passage teaches us that God truly is in control of all things. That he wants us to trust him to work all things out for our good and for his glory. On the other side of Peter's deliverance from prison, we find King Herod, Agrippa, the one who killed James and the one who wanted to kill Peter, being put to death because he got in his kingly robe. He sat on the throne and he received worship from others that belonged to God. And God stepped in and said, uh uh. You took from me what belongs to me. Now I'm going to take you. And he took out King Herod. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship. And instead of giving the glory to God, instead of giving it to God, so he was consumed with worms and died. That's what the text tells us. Between Peter's deliverance, we have two deaths. In all three situations, God's in control. While we find the why to many of life's perplexing situations and circumstances to be unanswerable, 
As Christians, we can live with confidence that God is good, that God is trustworthy, and that he will never allow us to go through more than he can handle. Did you hear that? You may have heard it said, God will never allow you to go through more than you can handle. That's a total lie. And you know how I know? Because you've been through more than you can handle. So have I. But none of us have been through more than God can handle. The first point I want to draw out of the text this morning is found in verse 6, and it's that God's peace is really beyond our understanding when we trust in Him. God's peace is beyond our understanding when we trust in Him. The night before Peter, verse 6, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. What would have you done that night? The night before you were going to go on trial, knowing that you wouldn't get a fair trial, but that your trial would lead to certain death. What would you be doing that night? as you're shackled and chained to prison guards, would you be soundly asleep? I don't know that I would. But do you recognize that in in the midst of the madness and the certainty of an unfair trial and death that's coming, Peter is peacefully sleeping. I can imagine... As he got chained up for the night and the prison guards, like, they laid down to go to sleep. He was like, can I, can I, can I tell you guys about Jesus? <laughs> and, and maybe they were like, no, shut up. Or they were like, sure, it's going to be your last time anyway. I don't really know what happened. But what I do know that the text tells us, Peter was obviously at peace with himself and peace with God to the point that he could experience the peace of God in the midst of a real hardship and find rest as he rested in the hands of the Lord. We do training in the fall for our children, youth, and even adult leaders. And one of the things we did, uh, I didn't do and wasn't even a part of, but we did in our kids' ministry was some situational awareness training And I use this as an example um, because I'm going to make a point out of it and hopefully you can get it. But the example was placed in a dark room with a bunch of people you don't know, what will you do? So a bunch of adults piped in and kind of gave their response to the question. And then one of the little girls in the room piped up and said, I'd pray. Sometimes it takes a child to set us straight as adults, doesn't it? While we will look to one another and to ourselves for the answers in life, sometimes that child shows up and and gives us the simple answer. I'd pray. Situational awareness is important and critical for the Christian life. I think Peter had very, very good situational awareness. 
He understood his situation and his circumstance so well that he could have the peace of God that passes all understanding because he wasn't finding confidence in himself, his plan, or any other strategic way out. He was just simply resting in the Lord. Whether you have a plan or need a plan in the midst of your circumstances, let me say it like this, always, always, always begin with prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's his peace that will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So how do we go through life experiencing the peace of Christ? We do it by fixing our eyes on Jesus, regardless of our situation or circumstance in life. Remember Paul in in the book of Philippians? He was in jail when he wrote this. He says, whether I'm hungry or I'm well-fed, whether I have shelter or I don't, whether I'm clothed or naked, no matter what my situation or circumstance is, I have found the opportunity and ability to be content and to find joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Along with peace, God also gives grace. God's grace brings freedom to our lives. And if we're willing to fix our eyes on Jesus, be people who pray pray, and rest in the hand of God, we not only will get his peace, but we can also be confident that his grace will be abundant in our lives as well. We pick up in verse 7, and I want to read through 11 again. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, followed the angel, but all the time he thought he was in a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. It's true. God has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. It's true. God showed up and he made a way. It's true. As verse 7 tells us, that when he awoke by the angel who kicked him, (laughs) can you imagine he was sleeping so hard and he'd be kicked to be woke? Get up, man. And when he awoke, what happened? His chains fell off and he was free to go. Let me ask you this question. 
What are you shackled and chained to in your life? That the chains need to fall off so that you can find freedom. The God who brought grace to Peter and who broke the chains in Peter's life is the same God who brings grace to us and breaks the chains in our life to sin so that we're no longer a slave to sin, but in Christ we find freedom. In Christ we find salvation, we find redemption, we find new life. What does your prison cell look like? What are you shackled to? Is it an addiction? A troubled marriage? Do you have a sickness or a disease that you can't overcome? Is it the job you have or the job you need? Is it the financial hardship you find yourself in? By God's grace, by God's help, he wants to deliver you. He wants to deliver me. He wants to set us free so that we can live a life that he has for us to live. A life of peace filled with grace. See, when God shows up in our lives and he extends his grace, that's his help to us. The freedom that we will experience is an unexplainable joy. And it's this type of freedom that should give us the confidence to walk with God. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Did you notice that Peter... Not only did he not do anything to get out of prison. Well, let me say the one thing he did do. He obeyed the orders of the angel that God sent to him. That's all he did. He didn't even know it was real until he was in the middle of the street. The angel woke him up. The angel broke the chains. The angel told him to get dressed. The angel told him to put on his shoes. The angel told him to walk. The angel said to go through the door. The angel said to go through the gate. The angel got him to the street. And then he left him. And as he came to his senses, he's like, no way, that really happened. When God shows up and he breaks the chains in our life and he frees us, it's then that we can look to him and say, no way, that really happened. And it can happen for you too. No matter how grim life might appear, God is, and his angels, are, they're present, they're ministering. God can deliver us any time. And if we ever think that God does not understand or cannot or will not help us, let me just tell you this, that's just bad theology. You have to change that in your head and in your heart. See, God wants what's best for us. He wants us to live with confidence that he will care for us and that he will meet all of our needs, that we can truly trust him. Do you live like this? Past several years, we've had floods in the South and floods in the Midwest. And as a result, 
There's a story of a flood victim that I want to share with you briefly. I don't know its origin, but it makes a good point. The man was about to experience the flood in his neighborhood, and the rescue squad showed up and said, why don't you get in? We want to take you away because your neighborhood's going to be affected by the flood. To which he said, no thanks. I'm just going to stick around and trust God. As the flood waters rose, he realized he couldn't maintain life in his house anymore, and a boat showed up, and the guy said, come on in. I want to take you to dry land. To which he said, no thanks. I'm going to sit here and trust God. The water got so deep, he was sitting on his roof, and the helicopter showed up with the rope. And they yelled down, grab the rope. We want to take you to safety, to dry land. No thanks. I'm just going to trust God. And then he died. So he asked God, thought you said that you would be a God who would be present in my life, who would meet my needs, who would care for me when I'm in trouble. What happened? Why am I here? To which God said, you know, you asked for help and I sent you that vehicle and you denied it. You asked for help and I sent you that boat and you denied it. You asked for help and I sent you that helicopter and you denied it. I was there on the land, I was there in the water, I was there in the sky. But all along the way, you never accepted it. See, God's grace is something we can't do on our own, but it's something we receive from God. God might not show up in a miraculous way to help us in our situation or circumstance. He might show up in the most ordinary way. But if we don't see the active work of God's grace in our life, we just might miss out on how God is going to meet us where we're at to free us and deliver us from what we need freedom from. Relying on God's grace will help us to experience the freedom that we need to truly get through life's circumstances. The third thing I want to point out is that God's power is unstoppable. Verse 12, when he realized this, when, when Peter realized that I am set free and I'm in the street, what did he do? When he realized it and came to his senses, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door at the gate, sent the servant girl, a servant girl came named Rhoda, opened the door. She recognized Peter's voice, was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. They replied, you are out of your mind. And she insisted, no, really, he is. It must be his angel, they said. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door, they saw him and they were amazed. He mentioned for them to quiet down. And then he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what has happened, he said. And then he went to another place. Do we really believe that God is in control? And that he can do 
the impossible? That his power is unstoppable? Do we really live like that? I I want you to notice a couple things. Number one, when he came to his senses, he went to the church where the people were gathered. And what were they doing? They were praying. And what were they praying for? Peter. What were they asking God to do? It doesn't tell us, but I'll bet they were asking God to deliver him, to protect him, to not have him killed, all these things. And then when he shows up, they're like, yeah, this little girl, poor little girl, Rhoda, her name's really Rose. They're like, Rose, you're out of your mind. She's like, no, I'm not. I really see Peter. And when they see Peter, their response was, we are amazed. When was the last time that you were amazed at God showing up and actually answering your prayers? And why are you amazed? I took a group of students out to Wyoming, northern Wyoming, on a, on a retreat one time, and one of our uh, days was spent climbing Heart Mountain. Uh, it's only about an 8,000-foot mountain, so it's not a big one, but it's a really cool one. And it gives you a great glimpse of God's glory when you get up on top. We had a clear day, so we set out on foot. It's about a 10-hour round hike. We get up to the about halfway point, and clouds started to move in. I'm pretty disappointed. We get up to the top, and there's heavy clouds amongst us. And you can hear in the, in the background the thunder rolling. And I'm thinking, oh boy, this is not good. We need to get down. But before we left, I gathered the students together and we got in a circle and I, and I prayed a conditional prayer. <laughs> the condition was this, we're going to hold hands and you're going to close your eyes as tight as you can and nobody's going to open, okay? And we prayed that God would part the clouds that he would hear our prayer and answer our prayer and give us but a glimpse of his glory. And I'm not kidding you. We opened our eyes and the clouds began to move. I didn't pray that prayer with the amount of faith to actually do anything. I just want you to know that. I prayed that prayer for the kids because I wanted them to experience God and to see his glory. And God showed up and he amazed me. He moved the clouds and for the next 10 minutes, we could see as far as you could see in every direction. For our good and for his glory. Those kids will never forget that. That God answers prayers. And that God will show up when we least expect it to do the things for us that we don't expect it. The clouds came back and we ran down. We got soaking wet from the storm that pursued. But for a moment, God gave us a glimpse of his glory. So how does the sovereignty of God impact our everyday life? It removes all cause for worry. When we really trust God, we don't have to worry. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. 
When we really trust that God's in control, it affects our decision-making. I'm going to do this because I know that God's with me. It also impacts our sense of identity. As a child of God, I have access to everything I need for here and now. And as a child of God, I'm secure for all eternity. So I'm going to live my life for Jesus. See, we won't always get our way. And we won't always get what we ask for. But we can live with confidence as Christians that what God does allow in our life is actually for our good and for his glory, even when it doesn't make sense. I want to leave you with the words of Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. Do you believe that to be true? And are you living like it? For our good and for his glory. Let's pray. God, thank you for an encouraging word today. That God, in all of life's situations and circumstances, when we fix our eyes on you, we can experience peace. We can live with your grace and we can rely on your power to get us through. Thanks that you love us, that as your children, you want the best for us. Help us to trust you, that God, what you allow in our life is truly for our good and your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.